I think like most of my career, I had been running away from myself, thinking that if I won championships, made money and played abroad and played with the national team, that this feeling of like shame and of like, it's really like self-hate would go away and I'd fill it up with other things, right? And when I realized that it wouldn't, and it didn't, you know, I was in England and I was like, this is just not healthy for me. I just need, I need to get away from this world that I'm living in soccer and football and I need to make a change. This week on the podcast, we're joined by Robbie Rogers and wow, just what a story. I mean, could you even imagine, you know, growing up in a pretty religious family and, and knowing in your heart that you're gay and then going from California to play professional running fairly far away over a pond to England, but not coming out until he came back. Um, and I, I just love his, the way he tells the story, his story, cause you can really, you can really visualize all the things he went through and he eventually came out. He played for the galaxy, um, under Bruce arena and, and, uh, Landon Donovan was captain of the time and just sharing those stories. Yeah. And, and he didn't even believe he was courageous. And, and so we talk about fears and, just how scared he was and and all of the things after that and the relief that came and he had, he just has a very inspiring story and and now he's ended up in hollywood he's producing films and so we could just get into that journey and and his journey um through fatherhood as well yeah after after living his own story he's now leading the way telling other stories diverse stories and uh and I also think his advice uh, to anyone who's listening was was, was was solid. So I think there's a lot in here. We, we, we talk about it all uh, from, from his, his time on the field to being a dad. For those of you who are, not, who are just listening, uh, Robbie Rogers is joining us. He is, uh, there are no sleeves on today. It's a sleeveless, it's a sleeveless Thursday podcast. Um, it looks like you were just like going for a workout. Yes. Sitting in my bathroom now. Uh, live from Robbie Rogers' bathroom, <laughs> the, Cour- the Courageous Podcast. <laughs> thanks for joining us, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. And if, if any of the kids run in and start screaming, you know, again, I'm hiding in the bathroom, but they might find me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, permission granted to bring them on, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, Robbie, how we, we met, obviously, you know, I'm working on a project with one of your old teammates, Landon Donovan, and uh, he thought you would be uh, the right interview for the book. And the more we spoke, the more I just really appreciated your story. And Tom said it's one of those things when you're like, oh, no, I don't want to like mix interests. But I don't think you could talk about courage, Robbie, and not talk about like your journey and your story. And I just thought you would make an awesome guest here. And maybe you can just sort of start by let's start at the beginning. I mean, you're from California. Mm-hmm. Right. Talk yeah, a little bit about Palisverde. Yeah, uh, why Palos soccer Verde. for you? Of course. Yeah, I can. I'll start from the beginning, kind of. So I'm I'm from Palos Verdes. Uh, um, grew up watching the Galaxy and uh, playing soccer. You know, I think I feel like everyone in California when you're younger plays soccer. Sorry, let me put this on. Do not disturb. Um, and I remember the first game that I went to where I realized. Uh, like, ooh, maybe I want, I think I might want to do this. It was a uh, U.S. Columbia at the Rose Bowl. And I remember I was just right there with my dad. And I remember walking around before the game and after the game and just 
really feeling the energy and the passion and, and obviously watching the game and how exciting it was. Um, but really just like grabbed my attention and my imagination. And that's when I realized I wanted to be a professional soccer player <laughs> at the age of like seven or eight. And, uh, you know, it's just like playing club soccer in California, but, um, it also was like, you know, as I developed that interest, I also was like realizing first that like, I felt like I was different than everyone. Uh, and then when I, you know, became, I think it was like eighth grade or my, my freshman year of high school, I realized I was gay as well. And I was like, oh shit, was, none of those guys at the Rose Bowl that day are gay. Like, what am I, how am I going to, um, fulfill that dream of mine, but also, uh, kind of keep this like how how can I do both and is that possible and I came to the conclusion early in life that it wasn't um and obviously uh later on realized it was you know Landon's a big part of that actually you know my story with Landon and, and the discussions we had before I came back to the galaxy and you know the support and also just the questions that he he asked me and um in a very interesting way you know not just like oh I support you and love you it was he also just really asked me about my experience in the locker room and in the sports world which was uncommon I think for a lot of athletes to be uh so inquisitive about people's like mental health and and uh their their life so anyways yeah so I played professionally for I don't know 11 years played the galaxy the national team the Olympic team played in England and uh, came out when I was uh before I came back to the galaxy in 2012 2013 and then uh, I retired when I was about 30 I'm 33 now and now I produce a tv show called All American and uh leaving at the end of this month to produce my first movie called My Policeman for uh, for Amazon, which is like starring Harry Styles and Emma Corrin. So I'm really excited. Congratulations. That's awesome, Thank man. Thanks. Not getting much sleep. And uh, <laughs> I don't have a soccer field to run off the anxiety. So I go on walks and tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to talk about, because when you retired at first, and, and maybe we'll get back, we'll get back to this a little bit later. I, but the original plan wasn't it for you to go into fashion like weren't you just like yeah. <laughs> yes. hopping back over grab your visa and go back to yeah. europe yeah so i i came out to my family in october 2012 and then like came out i didn't have a plan but i like came out in a more public way i guess through just like a post that i posted on like a I don't even, I think it was like a Facebook thing. I don't like, I, I think I deleted the Facebook thing, but there was like a public Facebook thing. And, uh, I had a, a friend and a few, ther I had a therapist and a few friends said that I should be like writing at the time. So I just wrote something and, and, um, posted that. But again, I like closed, closed my laptop, turned off my phone and just kind of, uh, didn't really know what to expect with that post and, and the amount of people that would kind of reach out and support me. So Anyways, to answer your question, I, I uh, thought that I would come out and and I had taken I'd saved enough money and I had my place in London and I like forced my way into London College of Fashion by just like persuading them that you usually have to go to art class, you know, you have to have a portfolio and I didn't have any of that stuff, but I uh, kind of just like convinced them to give me a chance, which they did. And so I was uh, gonna go, I was traveling back to Los Angeles to get my student visa, you know, to go back and live in England. And, um, that's when Bruce was like, just come train with us one day, you know, if you, if you're up for it. And I, when I forgot that, I was like, there's no chance, no way, no way. <laughs> and my agent was like, you should do it. And I was like, do you ask me that one more time? Like, we're not speaking. <laughs> I was really scared. It was all just the fear. It was all a fear of going back into that world. Um, and, uh, eventually I went to, uh, up to the Nike campus in Portland to speak to, all these kids that were uh, leading their GSAs, which are the Gay Street Alliances in their schools. 
And it was like 500 kids, they all were asking me questions and were um, uh, all telling me and in, 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 uh, they were very proud of the things that they were doing in their community. And so once I was finished, I, uh, I walked out and I said to my agent, he was in Portland with me and I was like, I have to at least go back one day and try to train. Like I'm here for a few weeks, I need to go back and see if I can at least survive one day uh, because if I don't, then all these kids, all 500 of them, they're teenagers that are like, that like, I just, I have to have the courage to do that because all of them are, are much more courageous at the moment than I am being. So I need to at least, I need to at least do this. And so that's when I, again, spoke to Landon and Bruce and other guys in the galaxy. And, and I went in one day and that turned into like five years. So, so can we, can we go back just to right yeah, that before was you came out? Um, no, it's awesome to hear that. And just, yeah, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to kind of put your neck out there, especially if you're a public figure. And I I assume, you know, just being in front of those kids maybe gave you a little bit of a confidence boost, but just going back to the, the state of fear, if you can put yourself back in that moment, right before you did come out, you know, what, what were you worried about? And, and, and then how did you, how did you get over the fear to, to actually come out to your family and, you know, put it out into the public. And I imagine like you had to be scared of like what the teammates and what the rest of the league potentially thought as well. But if you could share, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, so many mixed emotions. And as you guys talk about like fear and courage, like, I don't know, you know, and as we talk about it, maybe I'll, understand or realize more, but I don't, didn't necessarily think of it that way. I almost at times thought of it as like survival. Hmm. You know, I was in England. I had, I think like most of my career I had been running away from myself thinking that if I won championships, made money and played abroad and played for the national team, that this feeling of like shame and of like, it's really like self-hate would go away and I'd fill it up with other things. Right. And when I realized that it wouldn't, and it didn't, you know, I was in England. I was like, this is just not healthy for me. I just need, I need to get away from this world that I'm living in soccer and football and I need to make a change. And so, yes, I was, I was so scared. I remember coming out to my family via like zoom and letters and I'd be like on or zoom, sorry, it was Skype. And I'd be like, mom, I wrote you a letter. I want you to read it. And then we're going to talk about it. It was very controlled. And I was so afraid, obviously. And I didn't feel courageous at all so when you guys say that kind of stuff I flinch a little because I I um I don't I I guess that's the word but I just I didn't feel that way at the moment and also didn't necessarily feel that way when I went back to soccer for the first time I felt like it's so cheesy but I really felt like these kids were all more courageous than I was and I was you know 23 and they were all teenagers and I was like if they can all do this then if I don't go back I'm failing them so I kind of had felt a little bit of pressure in a good way from these kids, but to go back to my, to just coming out to my family, um, I was afraid of rejection of hesitation to hesitation, just to love me. I guess I was afraid that they'd be like, Oh, I need to, you know, let's, who does, who are, who are you? You know, you know, we don't even know you. Like I was afraid of like those stereotypical things, I guess you see at times in movies and, and you read in books and, um, and so I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know what, I, it's, if they aren't willing to like accept me and love me and at least be on this journey with me, because I, I, I was, I was still open to the possibility of like, they might not accept me right away, but I wanted, I was hopeful that they'd be open to like, 
going on this discovery with me, which I was, I had never been on a date. I had never gone to a gay bar. I had never done any of that stuff. So I was also kind of exploring myself and my life. So I was just hoping they would do that with me. But I guess the biggest fear was that they would just kind of reject me, at least with my family. And uh, they didn't, they were very supportive. And of course they had a lot of questions, but um, I would say each person in my family got easier and all their reactions, uh, even if they did have questions were, were as very supportive. Um, and I come from a very conservative, conservative religious family. So I definitely had uh, some doubts, but um, they're very, very loving. And, and then when I came out, you know, in a, I guess a more public way, uh, same with all of my teammates that I hadn't told yet, they're all very, very supportive, but you know, it was, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was necessarily courageous. If I'm honest with you guys, just felt like I like something I I had to do. I had to do it. Yeah. And I think I can understand that. And maybe you don't really realize it when you're going through it, but I think courage is just about facing any sort of fear. Yeah. And, um, you know, having what we call knowledge, faith and action to address those fears and, and move through them. So was there a sense of relief right away or did it take a while? And, and how much like, do you build up in your head around the expectation of what's going to happen versus actually having the experience going through it. And then the reality of what happens. Um, it was the most, I've never felt like such a burden off my, like it was the most relieving feeling in the, like every time I came out to someone, I was just like, Oh, this is just the best feeling of just like shedding all these pounds of, 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 uh, just like secrecy and lies and shame. And, uh, and just being able to like, for the first time in my life, just be open with my family, you know, and then with my friends, it was just, it felt incredible. Um, to answer your second question, you know, it's tough. You know, I do think you know, our minds are so powerful and we can create like, you know, the most incredible writers that, you know, create these stories and can write these scripts and make movies and do all this incredible stuff. And so, and, and we all know how powerful like negative or positive thoughts can be in our, in our heads and our minds. But you know, for me, I just, I grew up, you know, in locker rooms where every other word is very sexist, and homophobic. And uh, although that's changed, you, and, and then again, coming from a religious conservative family was, that was not, was not supportive necessarily of the LGBT community. You grew up every day, like kind of being chipped away, being like, you know, hearing comments, even if it's like, oh, that's so gay or stuff like that. And, and so it's hard for a young person to process that as people, uh, you know, as people just having like conversations or just joking or that they're not trying to hurt you, you know, you hear all those things and you hold them all in for so many years. And so, you know, yes, I think we create a story in our head thinking there's no way anyone is going to love or support me, which is so hurtful to, you know, all types of people. But, um, you know, I think a lot of that is real, you know, a lot of what you hear, there are no gay athletes, soccer players right now in, in any of the top leagues um, you know, in all of Europe and South America, everywhere. So, uh, some of it is the shame I think we all live with. And, uh, you know, I think a huge part of it is the, um, this like mass, this like toxic masculinity that, um, uh, controls, I think men's sports. So it's, it's May of, of 13 and here we go, right? Like you've had, you've trained with the team at this point, you've, 
you've asked some pointed questions to Landon Donovan, who I think was the captain at the time. Yeah. And, um, and you, you, I'm air quoting America. You, you officially become the, the first professional openly gay athlete. In sure. Sports? Yeah. I don't, I don't know either because I feel like, uh, it was like Glenn Burke. There was like other guys that I, I always try to stay away from that, <laughs> but yeah. yes. All right. Let's stay away from that part. So, <laughs> so, but, but what you walk into a locker room, this locker room for the first time and, mm-hmm. um, what's it like? What, what are you feeling? The first time I walked in just for like a training session, I, uh, I, 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 I felt good to be back. You know, I felt like, um, I knew a lot of the guys I'd played against them. I played the national team. I played with some of them at different clubs. And, um, so it was, it was really nice to be back. Of course, I was like nervous about, you know, when we get in the shower, are they all going to be like weird with me or, or uh, you know, are guys going to still joke around with me? Am I still going to be part of the banter or is it going to be people are going to be like too careful with what they're saying? Like, what is this dynamic going to be like? So I had a lot of questions, um, but overall it was extremely positive. You know, I, I was, I think I weighed like 15 pounds less than I should. I had like no muscle. I was like, you know, not fit and all that stuff. But I actually, I think, you know, was doing well enough for Bruce was like, keep coming back, keep coming back. And and then I think after a week, he was like, you should just stay and we'll sign you. But I definitely, um, just from just being in the locker room, the changing room, uh, it was it felt really good to be back. And it felt, I felt very supported by, I think Landon was such a great captain, it was a great, it was great for me to come to, into a team that had a captain like Landon that like, again, we've spoken about this, but just to understand like the human aspect of athletes and that there are different personalities and people all struggle with different things, right? You're not just like a soccer player. You're not just a machine that like everyone is just focused on like win, win, win and all those things. Like, of course it's part of it, but uh, I was lucky to, to walk into a team where Bruce and Landon and, and the other players, Todd Dunn and other older players, um, uh, were very supportive and um, very, they were very inclusive, you know, with everything. So, and is joked it, with me a lot. <laughs> did they just start busting, busting your balls like the second you show up? Yeah. Like as they do with everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, it is really uh, a, a male playground that you learn to survive in. And, and, uh, and I say this to people a lot. It's like, it's not, you know, we talk about like this, like toxic masculinity or like homophobia or sexism. It's not like to take away the fun in, in a changing room or locker room. Like there's still so much fun to be had and you have to learn how to survive with, to banter back. So if someone makes fun of you for, I don't know, sleeping with men, you make fun of them for sleeping with, you know, ugly women. Like, I don't know. You just, you, there's, there's, there's a line that you don't cross, but there's, uh, there's an art to uh, the banter of, uh, you know, in professional sports, I guess, for, I think men and women. So I, this might seem like a strange question, but let's go for it. So when you're seven years old, eight years old, and you're watching this, you know, U.S. Columbia, is that what it was? Mm-hmm. I mean, were you the type of athlete that you're like, I could just pick up any sport and I'm going to dominate that sport? Or why soccer? Uh, I think I, I don't know. I don't know if that was true, but I definitely thought that. <laughs> definitely thought I could. Uh, it's funny. My husband and I were just talking about this uh the difference between our son and daughter, our son is like a very vocal, confident kind of guy. And our daughter's more like me and she's very shy, but like you see her now like doing things, she's only one and a half and she like kicks a soccer ball and she like does these ballet moves. And you're, I was like, when I was younger, I was very shy, but I knew when I got on the field or the court, baseball, anything that like, that's when I was going to surprise people. And like, I knew that about myself. And so, um, 
I, I, even though I'm super shy, it was when I got to play sports was when I kind of had my moment to like come out of my shell. And that's one of the reasons why one of the things I loved about it. And, and you said you made the choice maybe in high school, like I can't be both. I can't be gay and a, and a professional yeah. athlete. And so I, for now I'm choosing soccer. I'm going to suppress this other thing. Is that where you went? That. And also I use soccer to uh, hide that other side of me. Right. It's like, there's no gay athletes and Robbie's a professional athlete, so he can't be gay. So if anyone has any questions, like, no, there's, you know what I mean? So it was a combination of loving soccer and all of the, uh, you know, all the love that I felt like I got from succeeding in it, but also using it as like to hide my, my other self. I felt like. When, and then when you tried to, um, you said you tried to like control the situation with your family when you Mm -hmm. came out. Mm. was was your like was your mom surprised or she's like i'm not surprised or like where where did they land on this i don't i don't i i think she from her reaction i would say she was surprised but then like you know talking to her about it like years later she'd be like i always wondered like you know you didn't have a girlfriend but then you would and then but nothing ever like too serious for long term so you know, I've kind of had those conversations. I mean, not for a while, but I kind of had had those conversations. Like, I think my one of my sisters would be like, yeah, I thought you might be, but then this happened. So I think it definitely crossed, you know, they thought about it at different points. I don't know if they were having, I don't think they had like discussions about it, but, um, you know, I definitely don't think that they were like totally shocked, but shocked enough. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question. Do you feel like... um you could be yourself right away or did that just take time? Cause you said you were, you know, exploring, you'd never been on a date. You were just kind of exploring yourself as well. And, you know, a lot of guests that we talked to, um, I think a lot of people struggle with finding out what their self really is versus the ego and people put on a facade, especially in the business world, right. To kind of mimic what they see and fit in. And that happens in sports a lot too. So just wondering what the progression was like and when you truly felt like, okay, this is me, this is Robbie, this is who I am. I, I definitely, like when I came out to most of my family friends, I definitely felt like I had the opportunity to be myself and to like kind of explore um, kind of who that was. But fundamentally, I haven't changed much. You know, I uh, what I value in family and uh, friends and very small group of friends uh and kind of my time alone i'm still very shy i uh you know very much value i mean you can tell like relationships and stuff like that and um so i i I think at first i i thought like i'm going on this huge exploration and i and i definitely did in terms of my mental health and being able to express myself and realizing uh what all of that shame and like what I felt secrets for so many years and like working through all of that. So I did a lot of work in that way. And I think we'll always do a lot of work with therapists and different people um, as I get older, but I don't think as I, I think it's like a lot of people, you know, they ask those questions again, it's very stereotypical, but like, you know, Oh, they've changed so much. They've come out, they've done this. And I guess some people do, but I, I didn't have that, that, experience you know I, I felt like oh, I'm free and I'm going to be able to do all these things and go on first dates and of course I did it was a learning curve you know you're 22 22 years old going on your first dates like it's pretty you know insane who pays who opens the door who does all that stuff like that's what your those awkward moments are you know reserved for high school <laughs> or eighth grade so you know there's a lot of men and women that 
go through that much later in life, you know? And, but, um, well, what's the answer on that, by the way, I, I, I'd love to know. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'm a gentleman, so I always pay and I always open the door for everybody. So, you know, I think you realize again, to answer your question, is that like, you don't change much. And I think a lot of your core values remain the same. And, you know, there is like, I'm going to butcher, I I remember someone like said this, but like, you know, I think a lot of gay men and women, you know, when they do hear that comment, like, oh, you've changed so much. And I think like the answer, you know, although I don't feel like I've changed, I think the answer to that is like, well, for whatever amount of years I've been hiding who I really am, you know? And so, you know, I think it's, you know, coming on experience is different for everybody, but at least for me, I, I, I feel like I'm the same person. I'm just able to like love who I want to love and share that share those relationships and like, you know, share my husband, Greg, with my family, which is like, I think they like him more than they like me. So (laughs) (laughs) there's just, I I mean, it's almost like a delayed adolescence, you know, on the experience side, but every human being goes through change throughout their life. I mean, Berman and I talk about this quite a bit, you know, you, you spend the first half of your life trying to figure out who you are. And then the second half of your life, trying to actually be that person. Right. And I I think therapy is, it's wonderful just to hear your story and therapy is so important. And, you know, I think it's been a big topic for a lot of things that, that we're addressing on the show, because, you know, you can see um, the outcome of, um, you know, fitness and, and if you focus on the physical side, but a lot of people tend to avoid or ignore the mental health side and it's just as important to kind of round you out as a human being. So, yeah, I wish I, um, sometimes I wish that like my mind and my mental health was like, I, I, you know, when early on in my career, uh, everything was so focused on the sport and like part of you is so naive that you don't get caught up in like, the stuff you're struggling with in your mind, you know, you're like playing games and everything's new and you have this confidence and you play and, and, you know, we've talked about, you know, right. We've talked about like killer instinct and all that stuff. And it actually kind of becomes more natural to you when you're younger. Um, but now I like think about things so deeply and I'm curious that if I would have, it's hard to explain, but I'm curious if I would have had that same, like the same, if I was in the same mental state when I was younger, if I would have had the same career or if I would have overthought everything, if I would have been too compassionate, if I would have been, you know, we, you know, we talk about Landon's career and how thoughtful he is. And then you look at certain players that I'm not trying to take away from their intellect or how intelligent they are, but like, they're just such killers. And they're like, there's like a, there's something about them that like, they don't care about the other guys on the field. And almost like primal, right? Primal. Yeah. And they like win and score and they're just these incredible players. And I'm just curious that if I would have had this same mental state when I was younger, if I would, it would have helped me or if it would have hurt me. I don't know. I think it's their version of survival. Like go back to what you said at the beginning. Yeah. You know, do you have, there's probably, you're just, it's unconscious even maybe, but you're flooded with it and you're just trying to like not lose what you have. Mm -hmm. Is that, sometimes can come off as primal killer instinct versus empathy or understanding. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Robbie, you know this, I think a little bit, but yeah, there's definitely been some teammates of Landon's over the years who have killer instinct. And I think Landon's superpower, he's got killer intuition. Yeah. You know, he could, he could jump into the shoes of his teammates. I mean, the perfect like athlete slash human would be someone that could like control both. (laughs) 
you know, could like, you know, but it's so difficult. I, I realized even like, I remember when I was in Columbus, one year I started to work with a, a therapist. I wasn't out. So it wasn't like I could really get to the root of like what I was struggling with, but I was just starting to talk to him more about just mental health. And I actually realized that like in a weird way, it was making me think too much about the emotion and my sport in that way, where instead of thinking more, just being more focused on the actual game. So I just bring that up because it's something interesting to think about, like, you know, can you have both? Can you, I, I think Landon at times had both for sure. At times I'd be like, Oh, he's in his zone. He's like, I wouldn't want to play against him. And I think at times he, you know, would, he has a powerful brain and he would be caught in his brain. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to like read or listen to the research about flow states and, and where you go mentally in those states. And you, yeah, I mean, you look at like a game like golf, right? It seems really simple, but it's such a mind game yeah. and, and people just fall apart. So I, I, I'm curious to go to the end of the career in, in soccer and sports. And, you know, that's a big mental game. And we've talked to other athletes and it's a transition, right? A change yeah. in self-identity. And, and what was that like for you? I mean, you're in this really interesting career now where you're producing film and, uh, how did you get there and what was it like leaving soccer and, and was there any challenges with that? Well, I, I kind of, yeah, there were a lot of challenges actually in my last year where I was pretty badly injured and knew that I it was my last year. I started work. That's when I started working with therapists again, actually the transition of it all. But, um, I kind of fell into it accidentally. Um, I had two producers come to me to do a comedy that we, uh, the studio was NBC and we sold it to ABC and um, just going through that process with them. I had so much fun working with the writer, coming up with a pitch the, and selling it like felt like a game and there was, it was like competitive. <laughs> so I really just loved that process. And then um, I started to develop a few things with my husband, like this movie that we're doing, we've developed for like five or six years about this book that I actually found when I was living in England. Um, and then I've just kind of expanded from there working with, you know, other studios, other writers, other directors. And um, so I kind of fell into it you know, by accident, but then, uh, just so fell in love with the story, like the storytelling process and the creative process. Uh, it's very, very different than sports, obviously, but, uh, I guess what I, I love about it and what's similar to it is like, you know, it's like, if you do something great and the things that I'm passionate about, you like, you really make people feel something and in great games and games that I've been part of, uh, or watched, like I'm an Arsenal fan and the way they make me feel <laughs> when they win and when they lose, um, you know, there's just great stories in sports, really great comeback stories and great stories about athletes. And I, I, I find the same in, uh, you know, producing television stories and movies and working with writers. Like there's just such beautiful emotional stories that make people, you know, sitting in a theater at home, uh, really feel sad or happy or motivated, inspired. And, and so that's what I love about it. And kind of my, goal as I work on different projects. It's like just to really find those projects that speak to me and that I think are telling stories about our world that haven't been told before, uh, especially diverse storytelling. I think, uh, um, you know, someone who's played soccer with a lot of people from like all different parts of the world, like I've always just loved getting to know guys and their stories and, and how they became professional soccer players and what their families are up to. So I am, I am definitely drawn towards um, that, those kind of stories. Yeah, you're you're singing my song, man. You know, like I, I moved to California for a long time. It was I'd rather entertain 2.2 million people than have 2.2 kids. 
Yeah. Like I was like willing to put that part of my life aside. And then, and then you have 2.2 kids basically. And you're like, okay, well maybe not yet, but oh. I'm curious on the stories that resonate with you. Cause is it like, as long as the story makes somebody feel something or that's the most important, or do you feel like you want to tell like stories that represent the LGBT community? And when you say diverse stories, what do you mean by that? I mean, I'm naturally drawn to, LGBT stories, um, you know, some of my, like one of my favorite movies is a single man. Um, so, you know, Tom Ford's movie. So I, 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 I don't want to lie and say like, I'm, you know, I'm definitely always like looking for those kind of things, but you know, my first TV project, this, you know, all Americans about, you know, what it's like to be young and black in America. And although I don't have that experience, you know, the writers, the showrunner, it's inspired by Spencer Pacinger, like everyone that, you know, has had that experience and, and talks about it. I'm just like always so, so moved. And in the writer's rooms, like sometimes like brought to tears about experiences that they have. Cause we talk about everything. You know, we talk about, uh, we have writers who, you know, live in Crenshaw and uh, were pulled over like two times. Like it's just, it, it's very real. So, um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm just inspired by when I say diverse storytelling, I think it's, uh, you know, people from, that have just gone through a lot and that not their stories haven't necessarily been told. And I think that there's like both, we have a responsibility to tell those stories, but also I think it's just like great business. I think it, it's like what's out there that hasn't been told. What's, what's interesting and new to people. And I think, uh, you know, all American, for example, is like, it's kind of like straight out Compton meets like the OC, you know, except with a little bit of Friday night lights. Cause it's based off a, a guy that became a professional football player. So, um, I don't know. I just mean, I think when I say diverse storytelling, I mean, it's, you know, stories that haven't been told before and we, we're not people that we haven't been able to see on television as much as, as, uh, as we have, you know, or are new to television more so than the past, you know, in the past, it was like a bunch of just like white people on television, I guess. And so now I just, I know, like, I'm so boring. I'm like straight white <laughs> male. Like this, uh, like I, I don't have a career, I think in Hollywood, Ryan, I think this is it. Podcaster bust for for me. Well, I, I don't think you need a career in Hollywood anymore. You can be anywhere, right? Touche, touche. I mean, um, I, I think I, I think it's all story, all good storytelling. You know, is important and will always find its way. You know, a good script, a good idea will always find its way to being produced. But I guess just for me, I, I uh, for whatever reason, I, again, I think it's probably my soccer background. I'm just interested more so in stories that haven't been told before and stuff that I haven't seen, you know, I didn't grow up with. Well, the interesting thing about stories too, is it's just part of the human tradition, right? It's like how you pass down traditions, how you pass down values and, you know, storytelling is just like in a really interesting medium now where it's very visual and mm -hmm. connecting and, and you can access it from anywhere. Yeah. Definitely. What actor, what actor are you in? You know, and you're it's like, is, was act one, do you feel like you're in act two and you're taking what you learned from act one? Or do you feel like act one was soccer player act two was coming out. Now you're in this upside down world in act three mm -hmm. where you get to be yourself, but, but applying what you, you took from the most competitive stage to a very different type of stage. I think, I don't know if this is right, but I think, you know, the question, I think I'm an act two. I think act one was coming out and learning, um, you know, a lot about myself and 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 my soccer career and uh taking all of that i've learned into this like next career of mine and now married and have kids and 
trying to be a good dad, which is also difficult as you're, you know, still learning so much about yourself. But I, I think I'm an act two, I guess. Sometimes I feel like I'm an act one or, you know, but, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think, you know, if you ask someone else that question that knows me, they'd probably say act two. So if, if act two Robbie Rogers was going to give one piece of advice to act one Robbie Rogers, what would it be? Oh. Um, you might need sleeves for this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, gosh, there's just like, I think it's just, I mean, you guys are it's so cheesy, but for someone who has so much anxiety and always like so worried about like the future, I think I would just like, if I could literally go back to myself, you know, in England and like, I just wish I'd be like, it's all going to be okay. Like it's actually, it's, you're not, you're not going to believe that I'm telling you this, but you're actually going to be okay. Like this is, this is just part of your journey. You know, I, I really think I thought at times that like, that it wasn't going to be so. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how your mind just time travels from the past to the present to the future yeah. and like the past and the future create that anxiety. Yeah. And if you can just try and stay present and appreciate what's going on, yeah. you have a chance at it. Uh, I, I'm interested in what it's like for you becoming a dad and what was unexpected and what's challenged you. Um. I mean, I think everything's unexpected. I think uh, I, you know, I think a lot of parents say this, but you don't like realize like how much you can like l really love this little thing and be so protective of it. I mean, again, as our minds, like we were talking about like travel over the place, I'm always constantly worried about this morning, like Caleb went out to play with bubbles in the backyard. And at first I was like, oh, he, he's a great swimmer and this and that. And then I started like, oh, I have to go sit outside and do work out there just in case something happens. So I guess I wasn't yet, I wasn't prepared for like how much I could love and worry about, you know, a little thing, a, a little human. Um, but uh, I always had, I always wanted to be a dad. I think when I was younger, I went through different phases of thinking like, you know, especially as I got closer to coming out, like, would I ever be a dad? And, and, and kind of accepted that, like, maybe I wouldn't, maybe that wouldn't be a uh, part of my life, but I, I had faith that I would be a good dad, that I would be, um, I don't know, just to have the presence and have uh, the patience and, and like calmness to be a good dad. And, and I feel like I, I've, I feel like I was right in my own assessment. I think, um, you know, our kids, um, you know, we've, Greg and I both, I think we've been, you know, pretty solid for them, even through all the work that we, we know we work a lot, but I think we've um, created a, you know, the four of us of a pretty strong family unit and um, have kind of figured out our way of like, you know, surviving COVID and quarantines and traveling and work schedules and everything and school. So um, I guess uh, if I could take a moment, I am, I am proud of, of uh, what Greg and I have here with our family, but um, you know, I think you, you know, you guys probably know it's just like, everything is unexpected everything from teething to diaper changing to rashes to like i just wasn't expecting every week for to there to for there to be another something to deal with um it's constant just, change right uh, like yeah it's and you're always learning and yeah. you're trying to help them learn and it's just oh yeah and, and the then you have no time <laughs> yeah we're the parents are like what schools did you apply and we're like just this one like, aren't we 
<laughs> and they're oh, yeah. like, look at us, like, oh, you guys are crazy. But we kind of just do it our way. And, and we've so far been lucky enough to make everything work. So that's the only way to do it. I mean, so, there's so much societal pressure and it's just oh good to God. kind of focus on what you want and, and what, what your purpose is. And, and I'd like to go there now, you know, you've had this career in soccer. Now you have this, this new career in, in Hollywood or film and entertainment. And have, do you have a new purpose in life? I mean, you, you, you have a family now, is, is there something that, that you are looking forward to or that you're focused on? Um, the more distance that I have from soccer, I realize that I, I think, and I think we'll see as, you know, in history, but I do think I had somewhat of a purpose, I think, in coming out and going through that and coming back to the galaxy and, you know, you know, being a gay man in sports, um, while I was doing it, I, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't really comprehend that. You know, I think, uh, part of me was like, all right, I just, I need to survive this week and okay, I need to play well. I need to be healthy. I need to, you know, uh, there definitely was pressure of like, I feel like I'm now playing not only for myself in the galaxy, my family, but now for like a community that's kind of hasn't been represented in sports. But, uh, looking back now, I'm, I can be like, oh, that was like, I understand, uh, that if I was able to comprehend and totally, um, realize how much pressure there would be or, uh, or, um, just look back on it. I probably would, I would, it would be too scary, I think. So I think that's again, when you guys like, Oh, you're so courageous. I was like, I kind of was just doing it. And I think if I, if I didn't have that mindset, I don't know if I would have done it. I think it would have been like, no, fuck you, Robbie from the future. I'm not doing this. <laughs> it is a lot to put on yourself. And, and, uh, it felt like a lot, even doing it the way I did. So, um, I think looking back, uh, I think at the end of my life, hopefully I look back and I'll be like, oh, I'm really happy I did that. And, and I'm glad I was like used. I, mean, I, I, I'm not like a religious person, very spiritual person. And I think I was whatever being is out there. I think, uh, he or she used me in that way to like continue to move that ball. I think. Is it, does it get any, like, do you feel like freer? Do you feel? Yeah. I felt freer when I came out. I felt freer when I started playing and actually now I feel even freer being away from soccer, actually, you know, um, I was hoping when I played that there would be, uh, a few, like at the end, I remember my, my husband and I over the years were like, gosh, there's still no one else has come out. No one has come out. Maybe this year I was like, I can't, but do you think we'd be like, what do you think? How many do you think are in the league or out or are gay men that are closeted? And so I, I, I definitely was hoping that, um, that would happen that like, let's say in the five years I was playing the galaxy, that there would be like two or three and that I would feel less pressure as a, as a gay man and as an openly gay man in professional sports. Uh, but there wasn't ever so that, so although the, I took the pressure off myself, that was still kind of there. And now that I've stepped away from professional sports, I, I don't feel it at all. That makes do you sense. ever, do you, do you ever um, like get a text from someone in professional sports who doesn't want to come out and I'm not going to make you like reveal the name now. No, like, like, no, you know, I get a lot of uh, messages from younger athletes in high school and college that are either out or uh, want to come out, but n never any professional athletes. And I've had like a number of times people reach out to me. They're like, Oh, some athletes are going to come out. I kind of like have kind of, I don't know, become numb to that because I just, you know, it's like people just, I think it's like kind of gossip to be honest. 
Um, so it's more the younger generation, which is, seems like so much more courageous and aspiring or inspiring than, than my generation. They feel that they kind of, the way they see gender and the way they see, you know, sexual orientation, everything is kind of, um, it's very freeing, I think for them that they can kind of just express themselves and whatever they want to express themselves, however they feel. So this is a show about courage and, you know, we're coming to an end, coming to an end here. So you, you made it. Uh, but, it, you know, if you were going to just sort of kind of wrap up this episode and share with the listener mm -hmm. a piece of advice from your perspective, from from the journey that you've been on so far, what how would you kind of what do you want to leave the audience with? Oh, so, so that's a tough question. Um, and I'm always like so I'm always afraid to give people advice. I think I think everyone's stories are like so different. I guess like even just as I was listening to myself ramble on this, on this podcast, um, you know, I think I'm realizing uh, again, cause I didn't say I felt like I was courageous, but I think most people as they're going through life and making these big decisions and trying to overcome these obstacles, they probably, I, I bet, I bet everyone feels the same way as I do. Like they're not necessarily being courageous. So I guess what I would just say to them, I don't know if this, this is uh this is advice, but it's just like courage comes in so many different like shapes and forms and feelings and, and uh, your version of that and overcoming your fears is, is might not feel courageous to you at the moment. But I think, you know, as you just face those and like tackle them and whatever happens, whatever is the outcome, like, I think that is your form of, of courage, right? I think that is, is um, just facing those fears is, um, is like kind of all the, the courage or at least the first step that you need to make and, and then let things settle where they settle. Well, usually if someone gets through it, they're happier when you get to the other side and it sure seems yeah. that way with you. Although it seems yeah. like the further away from soccer, you get the happier you are, but we might need another it hour. Pressure. It was the pressure of, uh, you know, of uh, being an athlete. I think I still miss soccer so much and I watch, you know, Arsenal every weekend, even though it's like so hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> But, um, you know, it's, it's a love hate relationship. I think a lot of people with their sports or whatever their passion is. And, you know, I, obviously I you talk to Land about it all the time, I'm sure, but I definitely love soccer so much and missed it, but like also have, uh, things I wish I could change about it and things that I just really dislike about, um, I don't know, just the, what it does to you as, as a person. Yeah, this is not a profound thought. I mean, I've had a chance to think about it because of, of working with Landon a little bit, but I do find it's eerily similar that you both didn't have a blueprint for your path. So you had to be the blueprint. And so mm -hmm. it makes me smile to hear there's high school kids that are reaching out to you. Yeah. You know, you're an inspiration to them. And to a lot of people that are trying to go and be whoever they are, you know, and be that person. And so grateful to have you on, um, on the episode and, um, and, and you know, now, 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 now I have fear. Cause I'm like, I hope he likes the book we write. Right. I hope you like, I hope you like the book we write about Landon. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And obviously it will help so many people just as, as Landon has over here. So that's the most important thing. Thanks for coming on the show, Robbie. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us five stars, subscribe, and leave us a comment. If you like what you just heard, sign up for your weekly dose of courage at returnoncourage.com. <laughs>